Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Liberty After Dark. My name is Christian, and today we have the wonderful, amazing Sherry Voluntary here from the Sherry Voluntary Show. Uh, we have um, post... Whoop. Whoop. Stuck on my tongue. <laughs> Postcards from, from Somalia. Somalia. I wanted to say Mogadishu. I wanted to right, say right, Mogadishu. Right, right, from the sandy beaches of Mogadishu. Yeah. I was sitting here saying postcards from Mogadishu, and I'm like, that's not right. That's in the intro. <laughs> I was like, what is it? Somalia. Thank you. Postcards from Somalia. Yeah. I'm such a bad host. And no, it's um, okay. Me too. <laughs> and and all over the place, uh, else on the internet, uh, Sherry, how are you doing today? I'm splendiferous. Thank you very much. <laughs> splendiferous. Well, that's swelltastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been waiting to do this. I'm looking forward to it. It's. I enjoyed being on your show before where we went for like, oh. how many hours did we, we were like eight uh, or nine hours. Oh God, it was great. forever. Yeah, that was back when I was a, a brave young soul on, on Facebook. and I just, was still an old lady, but yeah. you know. <laughs> We were talking about some stuff, and it was good. It's crazy to think that that was almost like five months ago now. Was it really? Wow. Yeah, that was back in in February, early February when we did that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, because it was, yeah, well, here we are again. (laughs) Exactly. And the published, well, the, the published show, the first birthdays in February, but when we started doing this, the first 10 hour live stream after party the Liberty After Dark under that name ever had was at the end of December. So we're coming up on that honorary one year mark. Wow. So cool. Yeah. Very cool. And we just had our second anniversary on postcards from Somalia. Alan messaged me and said, Hey, did you realize July 10th was two or was a year of sorry, not two years, a year of postcards from Somalia? I'm like, what? Get out. Like it just mm-hmm. you know, keeps rolling. The train keeps rolling. So Sometimes we don't look back and, and look at our accomplishments enough, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I like to keep little little measuring gates of of where I'm at. Because, you know, we, we were talking about this before we started this actual live portion of the show. Um, you know, some it, when you're doing your own show or even when you're with other people, sometimes it are harder than others. And it's usually just good, in my opinion, to take a look back, see what you've accomplished, how things are um. going, and just put things in perspective. But... That's good. I'm glad to yeah. hear that. So, <laughs> sorry. No, you're yeah, fine. okay. <laughs> I pulled you up, and then it was, it was playing. So, yeah, I think um, maybe you know some of us fiery people don't often do that enough, and and you burn out, and and it's really good to look back and say, when you're feeling like, I'm not, you know, nothing, nothing matters, nothing I'm doing is making any, you know, impact or whatever, and look back and see what you've done, and and really you know, look at the body of work and go, okay, I'm not doing nothing. I'm doing what I know to do. And, and, you know, I don't believe in the forceful solution. So I, the only thing I got to do is talk to people. Like that's what I have mm-hmm. to do. So that's, that's what I'm trying to do. Well, and you too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I like to say I, I, for some reason I get way more emails than a lot of other people I know do for the number of viewers that I have and listeners, which isn't mm-hmm. really by comparison that many, but you know, I get at least two emails a show minimum and uh mm-hmm. you know it just makes me you know there's somebody out there who's listening who feels like this is important enough yeah. to usually they're complaining about something i said or did but you know what i 
<laughs> I appreciate the fact that you care enough about the show to, to write right. me to begin with. So <laughs> they're listening. Yeah. That's the thing is that I like, you know, we don't have to agree. There's been things, issues that you and I don't agree on. Um, but you know, it's what? the talking about it. That's important. That's, that's where we refine our own, um, stances on things like we, you know, might not move on principle, but I would move on position on issues possibly if I saw, you know, well, this is, you know, working out better or whatever, but um, it doesn't have to always be, you know, uh, what do they call it? Like angry at each other. We don't have to always be, you know, fighting with each other and stuff like that. It can just be a, a nice little disagreement amongst friends. <laughs> See, but that makes for better YouTube thumbnails, Sherry. Come on. Got to get with the program. That's true. Hey, I know when I was on the radio, the people who listened because they were angry were the best listeners. <laughs> because, you know, they would call in and yell at me and stuff. And, um, or, or sometimes call in and say, you know, you're exactly right. You changed my mind, which is amazing. And I love that, especially since on terrestrial radio here, you know, I was talking directly to my own hometown, um, which is Bubba Neocon Central. So, it, it was really, it meant a lot to me to be able to do that. And in on Real News, which was the morning show here for a long time, you know, I got to talk about anarchism for three hours every Tuesday for a while. And that was amazing. And people would message me and say, I thought you were crazy at first, but now I see what you're saying. You know, I'm coming around or I'm trying to learn about voluntarism. So those things are priceless to me. And uh, I, I love that. So I'm sure you do too, oh, and it's yeah. it does help. It does help you keep going. Well, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I think most creators, especially smaller ones, would empathize with the conversation that we're having right now. I've had multiple conversations like this, but uh, so it's you know it's good to hear that also things are going well for you and that you found your own way to continue to motivate yourself through your projects because I don't want you to stop. Well, I'm working on it. <laughs> I may not always catch you guys live, but I always catch it on the back end. So I've got two I got a lot of stuff, you know. I've had to cut down on the amount of reading I do so that I can keep track of everybody's podcasts. Yeah, that's that's part of Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, you're fine. I was just saying, like, that's that's what, uh, become another issue is I don't have enough mm -hmm. time to consume all of this content. So. Right. And I think that's why the well has sort of run dry for me, too, is that, you know, for when you just get burnt out talking about this stuff, because, um, I mean, libertarian philosophy is pretty simple for the most part. Uh, the economics is a little more complicated at times um, and certain issues, you know, you, but you have to spend a lot of time in politics because that's the audience you're trying to reach to teach libertarian philosophy are people who are involved in politics and and so, and, and it touches our lives, whether we like it or not. Um, so, you know, that can get old. That can get old being called a libtard all the time or <laughs> a neo-confederate, you know, things like that. Like I, a racist, you know, uh, that stuff just, it gets old. Um, and it, it can really drain you. And then too, like you said, not, I, I love to read and I heart, I mean, I read what I have to read now. I rarely ever just get to read for pleasure or, um, you know, read even other news for like, I don't really watch the news. I mean, you had to tell me what was going on with the oil. Saudi oil. Oh yeah. We'll get into was, that I've in a minute. Been like, I've been like, you know, uh, taking a little vacation here and just getting my, my kids settled and, and doing some things, but, uh, it's, it's really hard. I don't have time to listen to many podcasts. 
anymore. Um, I try to catch ones that really catch my interest. Uh, and I, sometimes I don't make it all the way through them. Um, so that, that, you know, that well will run dry too. Cause you feel like you're talking about the same things over the, all over all the time. And I mean, I love to yell about cops, but which I do quite a bit, but you know, you can't yell about cops every, I mean, I could guess, I guess I could start a podcast that's just call it the report. <laughs> okay. That, that's good. I like that. The report. Oh the man. Report. That, that'd be my show right there. <laughs> that's awesome. Actually. I, I know you were memeing, but that's great. I would support that. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> I mean, the next show. Yeah, so I'm kind of looking for maybe a new, like, to start a different show than the Sherry Voluntary Show, where I'm not carrying all the weight, you know, with like a co-host or something. Because Alan and I doing postcards together, um, Alan Mosley, that is, of the Gold mm -hmm. Standard uh, it's great because we can we can share a little bit of the burden and plus postcards is just us being mean and caps like it's yeah. not really it's not directed towards informing people who are new to the movement and like our regular shows it's not like that it's not outreach it's it's total inside baseball and we just get to let off some steam so that's really good but I think having a co-host would kind of I bounce, I'm better, I think, when I bounce ideas off people. It's hard for me to talk directly to a camera. So I'm, I'm looking to, to maybe do that. I love having people on my show. I love doing interviews. I took a break from doing them for a while just to kind of like build up my mm -hmm. backlog and show that like I, I can do the show by myself. I don't need anybody else and kind of get that skill set. That's what I got to work on. I love doing interviews and stuff like that which is why my whole month is booked with interviews now and i think it is uh if i wasn't such like a i wouldn't say control freak but i like my things to go right as much as possible and if i'm doing them the only person i can blame is myself if they go wrong and i can fix it so yeah that's the way i see yeah. it anyways and plus it's easier like i i mostly have done interviews and the reason is is because i have a hard time talking to just a camera um, so either I'll have interviews or I'll have like Daniel sit in with me or someone else and we'll talk about something. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm trying to develop that skill as well, uh, to just sit and talk to the camera. And I've done that once and it was a pretty decent show. People seem to enjoy it, but I've just kind of, at the same time I was starting to try to do that, I kind of lost my steam. So, Miss Sherry's going to get her groove back, hopefully. <laughs> See, I'm really looking forward to my Texas trip because I think being around Patrick and those guys and going to Larkin Seminar and just being around the Texas totally badass uh, libertarian anarchists, I think uh, will inspire me again. So I'm really looking forward to being around them. When are you going to be in Texas? I mean, you don't have to share specifics, but... Yeah, no, it's uh, next week. Um, okay, and next then week. next weekend is going to be uh, the Candles in the Dark seminar where Larkin, you know, because he's got such a great way of communicating with people and, and a great style. And he's going to, he has this seminar called Candles in the Dark that he's been doing for years. Um, this is, I think, going to be the last live one. There, Patrick is going to be recording that. And um, it just, it teaches you how to, how to talk to normies, basically. And I think, I think he even, at the end, he has people go out and talk to their normie friends and like offer them 50 bucks to come let sit on the stage and let Larkin talk to them, like do some, some actual, uh, 
explanations, you know, actual uh, talks right there with them. So I, I think that's fantastic. So I'm really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, I think that's that sounds great. I thought I was hoping you were going to say like November or something. And I was like, okay, I'll get my get my travel ready, and then I'll be you know we can all hang out together. But uh, hard to get there from Korea. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Uh, yeah, I won't be back. And can I just things. say, you look like like Mister All American Apple Pie Boy. Every time I see you, I'm just like, that's oh, yeah? the man that goes on a propaganda poster right there. <laughs> that's a face for propaganda. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I'll be the, the face do, for like, yeah. I'll be the face for uh for anarchist propaganda, volunteerist propaganda. Okay. So <laughs> just don't let the man use no, you. <laughs> not happening. I don't see this changing anytime soon. Good. <laughs> oh man, it's fun. It's fun trying to. I don't know. So I, you know, like I said, I had that show with Patrick, which was awesome, which if you haven't listened to it, it's going to be published as a podcast here pretty soon and is available on the YouTube channel. There were some audio issues. I fixed them in post though. So the YouTube is still a little spotty in the beginning. It gets a lot better towards the end, but the podcast will be just fine. And, um, great show though. Awesome. Just, we talked about like everything about it, basically how to improve your life by adding libertarianism and voluntarist ethics into it. Great show. Well, then the next day I had gone into his discord because they said that they were going to be doing like some live chatting stuff with a, right. some people he had an interview with. They're doing some cool stuff. I was in there for like five hours with three guys and we were just debating <laughs> like all of the semantics of, of like what it means to have a good ethical system and a code. So I definitely think something I'm going to start doing is shifting more towards the philosophy and ethics. Not to, I will still, mm -hmm. I love the political theater. I will never stop tracking the political mm -hmm. theater because I, I find it entertaining, but uh, I think right. I am going to start shifting more towards the analytical, like this is the philosophy and ethics of things and without trying to be, right. without being boring or copying anybody, but I right. do, I love it. I find it very interesting. And I tell mm -hmm. you, Patrick is a great mentor in that. Um, talk about someone who, you know, he's very, very dedicated and committed to, um, the the philosophy and and to holding himself to that standard so oh, yeah. um you know he's he's my hero in a lot of ways so i really i really love patrick and um i you know i i think everybody should watch just enthrall he's he's great he's amazing he's a brilliant guy and he takes people on like i'm not really i have people on my show that I either mostly agree with them or i agree with them in a broad way but i'm there to sort of ask some questions and showcase them and, you know, like how anarchism can work or whatever. But um, he'll have on people that like totally disagree with them. He'll just go and, and friendly. He's very affable and, and friendly and charismatic. So it's always great to watch. So I, I would recommend his show highly. Or 99% or <laughs> agree with him and have the 1% disagreement be the show. Those are also fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We did that. You yeah, and I, we did for that. Like eight yeah. hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, so before we keep going too far on this crazy train, there is one thing I yeah. wanted to bring up as like sort of a news topic, and we don't have to dwell on this for too long. But I have sort of over the last, however, twenty-three episodes, I've been covering the developments in the Middle East as they have continued. In fact, I did an entire episode basically breaking down what the current state of affairs in the Middle East was. It's called Let's Talk About Syria. Um, I don't remember exactly what episode that is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that was a good... I mean, it was just an info dump, basically, of me talking about everything that's going on in the Middle East and why. 
Well, I think mm-hmm. almost I need to do a new one at this point because the big bad dog has changed from ISIS to Iran now. And for those of you yeah. who missed it, Saudi Arabia's oil supply was, or their, the oil production was basically cut in half by a, yeah. uh, a drone strike. Originally, Donald Trump came out onto the news and said, oh, this is Yemen terrorists who did this because of course it was, right? I mean, like we need another excuse to bomb Yemen. And then they came out and they said, hold on, on. wait, 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 wait. Actually, it was Iran. And then I said, oh, okay, well, that makes it even more believable. So, yeah, uh, you mean you mean the people we wanted to go to war with a few months ago and the American public wasn't really having your little, you know, Gulf of Tonkin part. So you came up with another reason like, yeah, and I, I love I mean, I find it very rich that they are calling the Yemeni terrorists. We're friggin' bombing their country and starving their children and they're terrorists. <laughs> like, we, are, when I say we, the, the Saudi American yeah. coalition that, you know, it's, it's a proxy war. That's. We are basically oh fighting that There's war. So we we supply all of the guns for that conflict yeah. With, without us. They, they wouldn't be able to wage it on the same scale. Yeah, no, absolutely not. I mean, not only are we, you know, funding, like the selling them the munitions and, and all their equipment, but we're also, uh, you know, sending them, telling them who the targets are and sending them that way and using our infrastructure, you know, our, the American infrastructure uh, to do that. The, um, what do they call that? Command and control. Uh, so they're, we're using all those things. And, and, you know, I just find it amazing that, so many people can dismiss the war in Yemen that we, that the United States, I keep saying we, we are not funding it. The United States is funding it. Um, they're, they're basically supporting everything that Sa- the Saudis are doing. And it is atrocious. It's atrocious. These last like attacks from Saudi Arabia, another school bus is hit and they're burying their children. And they think that somehow those people are going to, not hate your guts like like blowback is not a thing i think you know ron paul used to talk about that so much and what other politician do you hear talking about that anymore like that is a real thing and if you want better safety and prosperity for the united states what you do is you mind your own damn business that's what you do uh, and let them sort out the middle east but no we've been fighting proxy wars with the russians there for forever and now it's just about you know, seeing who we can keep in, involved in conflict so we can sell arms to them and, and keep the, you know, Raytheon and Hal, Halliburton and all those, etc. happy. So that's what it's really about. Yeah. And, you know, as much as I hate to go like full history nerd on this, like I blame um, I blame Dick Cheney for most of what's happened recently. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we should. Yeah. We were in Afghanistan in the Cold War, but that was on a very small scale. And, you know, I'm not going to excuse it, but sure. It was just CIA training up people, whatever. Uh, maybe trained up a guy named Osama bin Laden. I don't know. I mean, hey, That's right. Maybe. Uh, the Gulf <laughs> maybe? War, no, there's there's yeah. no maybe to it. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> the Gulf War happened, and then we said, well, I guess now we can just invade Iraq for whatever reason. And then they just made yeah. up reasons and then sold off Iraq to oil companies. And that has yeah, I, started this cascade that will never, ever be corrected until we just 
GTFO and accept the consequences. Yeah. And, and, you know, if, if anything, you'd think a lot of these dictators would learn by now because, uh, being an ally to the U S is a very, very dangerous game. I mean, just ask, uh, Osama bin Laden and, um, who was the guy in, in Iraq, uh, I've got his name written down somewhere. The guy they they found in a hole. Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein, you yeah. know, or the Shah of Iran. Like, um, even though he was overthrown by his people, we we put him. The United States put him in power. They they caused all that, and and those people, like maybe aside from Osama bin Laden, but but um, Saddam Hussein and the Shah were horrendous dictators. I mean, Saddam Hussein had rape. Like as a tool of his administration, um, and and the Shah, the secret police were so terrible and disappearing people and oppressing people in Iran, and yet they were all backed by the U.S. And then when they don't serve their purpose anymore, like Saddam Hussein, what do they do? They they make him the bad guy. Osama bin Laden, he was great for years while the CIA was training him and funding him, and he was fighting the Russians. But as soon as he started saying, "Look, you guys." You're not welcome here either. <laughs> as soon as they didn't serve, he didn't serve the purpose. He's a bad guy, and you know, it, there's there's a lot to the Middle East stuff. I'm not an expert. I'm not a foreign policy expert, but I can think and I can look at things and go, wait, you mean the Iranians who just last week the United States was telling maybe we'll back off on some of the um, sanctions that we have against you. All of a sudden, they're incentivized to strike Saudi Arabia, who is a huge ally of the United States. Like that, that makes no sense. And I don't, you don't have to know what's going on to know that that's bullshit. So I, I just don't, I don't see how people, the reason that they don't see it is because they don't want to see it. Um, <clears throat> and, and look, like if uh, the Iranian people, of of all the Middle East, really, they're the most liberal. They want the most modernization. They want prosperity. Um, you know, they want to get out from under the edicts of the mullahs so much. They want to come into a more, you know, free society. Uh, but we're not backing them. We're we're not we're not backing them. Like what what's going on there? Like so, it's 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 clear to me that it's not about what they say it's about. I don't know what's exactly going on, but I know it's not what they're telling us. <clears throat> I mean, it's usually about money. I mean, Iran is once, if we could get Iran into the fold, we would have officially stomped every major Middle Eastern power out of any sort of real geopolitical relevancy. Right. And Iran, and, and if we could, if we could kick Iran's teeth in and make them happy or play nice with Saudi Arabia, then Saudi Arabia can just run rampant in the Middle East, and then we don't need any other footholds because we just made a Middle Eastern super country. Not that it isn't technically see, I, already one. I don't think that's the aim. I think the aim is to keep the wars going. Like, the Halliburton isn't making any money if nobody's buying their crap. Oh, no, so no, no. So what no, we sorry, have to do... Yeah. Oh. I, I, I think I, 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 I miss... Characterize Maybe my I misunderstood you. No, yeah. I mean, the, the idea is is that if we if we beat up the big guy now, then all we ever have to do is fight a bunch of little guys for forever. We can keep fighting terrorists for forever. Right. Fighting Iran is a bigger exactly. deal than it's a lot easier to say or harder to say, let's go blow up Iran than to say, oh, well, 
there's some terrorists blowing stuff up now and we'll just keep perpetuating these endless cycles of wars. So, right. Yeah, exactly. It just keeps, it keeps them in business. And I mean, Smedley Butler, who was a major general in the Marine Corps, one of the most highly decorated for a long time. He was the most highly decorated soldier ever. He wrote a little book called war is a racket and it lays it all out. And, and one quote from that book is war is just a racket. A racket is best described. I believe as something that is not what it seems to seems to the majority of people. Only a small inside group knows what is a, what it is about. It is conducted for the benefit of the very few at the expense of the masses. And that is absolutely true. The, the um, defense contractors fund the politicians. The politicians make the wars and the wars buy support the uh, war, the defense contractors. So it's just this vicious cycle and it, it only, who gets hurt by it? The common person, the regular people who aren't the political elite, that's what happens. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm not sending my children to die on the altar of this country or any other. So I, I think more people, more parents, more moms need to step up and say, this is bullshit. And I'm not sending my kids to die for you. Like, but it's the indoctrination and, and everything that goes into it is quite magnificent to behold. Um, when you see, you know, I was watching a video earlier. Someone sent me that some people, some people send me videos that I, they're not like they, I don't know. They don't listen to anything I say because they clearly don't. Okay, but she, <laughs> she saw this woman sent me a video of um, these Muslims in uh, Disneyland in California, Disney World, whatever it is in California. And it looks like they rented the place out. There's a bunch of Muslims there and they're going to, they're being called to prayer. And so they have the, they're praying in the, the rows like they do. So there's somebody walking around with a camera and they're saying like, this is what's going to happen with the Muslims. You know, they're coming, they're trying to take over the world and blah, 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 you know. And what the hell? I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you see that. And then those same people are the same people who stand every time they see a little magic piece of material waving and, you know, they say some magic words, they chant the magic incantation and they think that they're somehow different. Like you're worshiping a state. These people are not Christians. They're Christostatists. And we need to make a, a very big distinction between them because statists. Yes. It's a coin, a term I coined that I'm pretty proud of I like actually. That. But I mean, you know, Larkin taught us that in his book, uh, that it's the most dangerous superstition, that authority, that power of the state is somehow legitimate in your life because they say so. And these people, they'll sit and look at those people and go, oh, they're so scary because, you know, they're a different religion. And yet, look at what they do in the name. Like, you you should get strung up and hung because you didn't stand and sing my magic song and say my magic words and worship a cloth. And that's, if you're a Christian like, let me tell you, there's nothing Christian about that. Like, that's very uh, clearly idolatry because, you know, and, and they're they're so easily manipulated. The one nation under God was added in like, I don't remember when it was, it was taken away and added. And then um, they act as if those words are sacred somehow because they say under God or, you know, the the battle hymn <laughs> of the republic mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the lord he has trampled out the vineyard where the grapes of wrath are stored like they they want to talk jesus but what they really want to do is old testament retribution they don't know jesus come on jesus didn't talk like that that's not 
Christian. I, you know, I usually, it's similar vein of discussion. I, I usually have found success with uh, typically leftists who are, who are atheists and, and on the other side of the coin is that they'll say like, well, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't worship a God, you know, this monolithic deity doesn't make, you know, there's no mm -hmm. rationality behind it. And then they're like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, you know, government's kind of your God. And then the first reaction, no, no, no. What do you mean? What are you talking about? Right. And I'm like, well, if you think about it, you, you place it at this, this untouchable position of power that no one can question and right. any anything it says goes. I mean, that kind of sounds like a God to me, if I'm going to be completely and honest. And what do they do when, when you know, there's some problem? What's the first thing they're saying? There ought to be a law or do something. The government mm -hmm. needs to do something. That sounds a lot like Jesus save me or yeah. God help me. Like th those sounds a, a lot alike. And look, I'm not, I'm not telling people to be Christians or not to be. I'm just saying you need, if you're a Christian, you need to really look, have a come to Jesus meeting, a real come to Jesus meeting. Read what Jesus said and look at what you support in your government and tell me how the two line up. Because he didn't support war. He didn't support all this theft. Uh, you know, yeah, theft and, and all these things. He rejected political power. And yet that's what you all are tied into. And you're so easily like the, the you know, civil religion rhetoric is incredible. I just I get such a kick out of listening to like city on a hill and those kinds of things like that's intended to engender those religious sentiments from you and and you look to them and then you they're in bed with israel israel is not your friend it's a fifth column in this country okay they're they're working against uh american interests but the american christian community keeps backing them up and um because they have old buildings getting Right. And getting involved in things that are not our business. They're not the business of my, myself or my children or any of yours to be going over there and trying to figure out what's like, let them take care of their own. Like, I just I, I don't I don't believe that political states are what any God God was talking about in the Bible when he talked about Israel and all that. Like, that's a political state made by man. I'm. I'm not a scholar on all that, but uh, I'm tired of it. You know, I'm tired of, of this whole this whole thing, like the the whole um, Iran deal, nuclear deal that was trashed by the uh, Obama or by the Trump administration. You know, that was that was backed by neocons and uh, Israel. So, and it's it's backfired on them. Like it's not been a good thing. So I'm uh, I'm just. Like I, I'm not. I'm like I said. I'm not going to claim to be a scholar on it. Scott Horton is the guy you need to be listening to for that, <laughs> or Kyle Anzalone, um, who does an amazing job. Uh, those are those are the guys that can really get you informed. But I I can think, and I can tell you when when they keep calling them terrorists, you got to sit back and go, okay, are they really terrorists when they're just trying to live in their country and not be murdered and have their children murdered by Saudi Arabia? Um, and these. Proxy wars that, you know, the Western and Eastern, maybe Russia countries play at. Um, when you get involved, you know, my dad used to say, if you're going to play in a coal pile, you're going to get dirty. And that's what happens. You you get in bed with, with the superpowers and you're not, you're not going to end up on the good end of that. So, yeah, I think talking about Israel for a second, the I think. 
I was talking, having a conversation about this with some some more. What, what, do you, what would you layman types? We'll just say that perhaps. And uh, mm -hmm. you know, they were talking about how Israel's having its election, and it's like it's so cool that this country that's existed for thousands of years. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. It's like you know that this is literally like just in the last 60, 70 years, right? Like Israel right. didn't exist for hundreds of years, and then. That blows their freaking minds. People have thought that Israel's been this perpetual state, like, always in existence. In fact, when the Ottomans were around, it wasn't even a province of the Ottoman Empire. They just lumped it into another group. It wasn't until right. the, the, the noble Christian Western society came in and said, Ah, Israel, right. they talk about that place in the Bible. Boom. Right. Here it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's all, it's... It's very politically manufactured. It's political theater. Uh, something I did want to say, though, and I, don't, I think I lost my point earlier about the, you know, them praying to the Muslim, them showing the Muslims praying. And then, um, you know, so many Americans want to lump all of Islam together as if it's a united group. Like they're all the Muslims are one thing and they all believe one thing. And that's just not true. It's like Christianity. Not everybody believes the same thing. Um and so when, when something happens in Yemen and they're starving their children and or some guy that kind of threatened to shoot me the other day because I called him out about his his just lack of care at all that these this Muslim majority in China is being disappeared oh. and, and they're trying to find their friends and family. These are peaceful people. They've they've not done anything the Uyghurs. No, yeah, so they, they've not done anything to aggress against anyone. They're just trying to live their lives. They live in China. They're a minority. And um, they just dismiss it out of hand. They're Muslim. And and I said, you know, if that article hadn't said Muslim, if it had said anything else, you wouldn't be like that. You wouldn't be dismissing the fact that these people are suffering, and they're suffering under a state power. And that's not okay. It's not okay. They haven't done anything to anyone. They don't deserve that. Um, and so... I, I look at that and I look how the American people look at the Middle East through the propaganda of their government. You got to be afraid of the brown people over there. But the government doesn't see it that way. The government's all the way bending over frontwards uh, for Saudi Arabia and Israel and for any anybody else, Iran, if they would do what they want them to. And, you know, it's it's. They're they're in bed with these people. They don't they're not scared to do business with them. They're not worried about that. They're more interested in what they can do over there to keep the wars funded and to keep the oil flowing um, than they are afraid of them. Like if you think like there, there's one united Muslim horde who wants to take over <laughs> the world, I mean that might be that might be the the case in some of the sects. Like I'm not saying that there aren't you know. Muslim imams who teach people that the West is terrible and but a lot of that comes from the fact that we've been over there bombing their children for almost 100 years or whatever it's been. So, uh, you know, I can't really I, I just can't bring those two ideas um, to people how they get that in their mind that that that's the way things are when they're very different people over there and different cultures and different communities and different um parts of the same faith, you know, they have different beliefs, then the, the, the U.S. government plays both sides uh, and the pro benefit. The propaganda machine is definitely working not in the Middle Eastern 
people's favor, favor, any of them, really any of them, except for maybe Israel. Yeah. Uh, so, and we don't even really try <laughs> yeah. to push Saudi Arabia as like propaganda. That's just no, not questionable. It's like, we don't even try to make them sound good. Like we may even say, Hey, you guys don't treat your women right. Would you guys like to buy $700 billion worth of weapons? Right. It's, you know, and I mean, do, you, do you remember in, when uh, we invaded Iraq, when the United States invaded Iraq after the World Trade Center bombings and 9-11, the second ones, um, that that was, you know, after they were they were touting the weapons of mass destruction, all that, and that came to be BS. And um, the, the reason they came down to it was, well, women are oppressed over there and they need to not be oppressed. Saudi Arabia, come on. Uh, Women, they're not, they have to be chaperoned everywhere. They got to wear the burqas. They can't drive. Like They can they finally drive now. Freedom. I will say that. Oh, right, right. That's, yeah. that's right. So, um, you know, but their excuses for, it's so thinly veiled, but so many people just dismiss it, go, yeah, oorah. You know, and I, what do you do with that? We, we have to be loudly anti-war. Libertarians are the voice of the anti-war sentiment in this country that's a voice of freedom. You cannot be both pro-war and pro-freedom. Um, they just they don't go together. And so I think libertarians need to really stop. You know, we've got to be talk long and loud about it because you got to get through to these people that they don't care about your kids. Look, the, the United States government that talks, you know, wants to send your son over to Afghanistan to kill dudes that have been living there. You know, their families have been there for thousands of years and and we have no business being there. And your son's going to come home in a box and then they're going to or they're going to come home sick. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to go to the VA and they're going to get shitty health care, the shittiest health care there is. And then when they die because they're not tr properly treated, they're going to dump them in a landfill. That's what the government has done. So don't even try to tell me that there's some kind of heroic, you know, heroic soldier ideal. That's only made up. It's made up by the people who want to murder your kids so they can murder other people. Like, it's, I'm so, it just boils me when I look at, you know, like my son and his friends and even my daughter, because, you know, women can be drafted now, too, yeah. um, that these people's lives are ruined. And they've, they've convinced you that it's virtuous. They've convinced mothers who carried their babies in their bellies, their own body, who, who suckled them at their breasts, you know? Like, they convinced you that you should be proud of your son going off to die for some Halliburton executive's bonus. It's... It's utter crap and it's evil and we gotta we gotta start standing up. I'm I'm sick and tired of it. If you want a million mom march, that's the thing to march against. You know, that's that's something women should really start getting in, involved in. Cause it's your like I'm not trying to dismiss dad's role in this, but you carried that baby in your body <laughs> and there's no freaking way that you should be okay with them going to fight a war that is not defending his own home. I uh I had a very vocal disagreement with someone the other day that pretty much just turned into us just just flinging insults at each other because if I physically touched them, I'd go to jail. But they basically <laughs> came down to like, they were like, ah, oh, you should you should reenlist. And for anybody who doesn't know, yes, I'm, I'm in the process of leaving the military right now. So 
this is a topic that speaks extremely loud to me. And uh, it started off fine. You know, hey, you should re-enlist. And it's like, no, nah, it's not going to happen. And they're like, oh, well, why is that? And I would explain why. And then eventually evolved, devolved into it's like, well, you're an embarrassment to those in the armed forces. And I was like, well, you're an embarrassment to humanity for being a willing product of the number one child killers on planet Earth. And then he was like, mm -hmm. he basically turned into get, on my, get out of my office moment. And I was like, yeah, well, what, right. do, what do you not like the truth? Do you not like the fact that right. you're the one who keeps signing on the dotted line? Like, yes, I would love to ruin millions of people's lives. This sounds like it's yeah. the career for me. Like. Once you've right. been in and you've learned and you've seen it, you have no excuse. I have no sympathy. Yeah. I, can, I can maybe not sympathize. I can empathize with people who come in who don't understand, who were a part of the propaganda machine, who like I've, I've seen it. I've lived it, who to protect and serve and defend the Constitution. But once you see what happens, once you understand what happens, you've got to get mm -hmm. the fuck out of there. Because if you sign on that, well, I guess I'll reenlist. You know, like at that point, right. you are just as bad as the Halliburton executive. You've right. seen it and you, you're okay with it. Right. And, and it's one thing to be tricked. Like I don't, I don't blame these kids who are 18 years old and getting out of high school and are predators. You talk about predators. You worried about the Jeffrey Epstein's of the world. You should be worried about the friggin' military recruiters of the world. Cause they're coming in. Like I, I'm not saying that the Jeffrey Epstein type or <laughs> pedophile type things aren't important, but, um, these people are allowed to openly prey on your children and they lie to them. They lie. I've heard most of, I know so many anarchists who are former military and the being in the military is what made them an anarchist. They've seen it for themselves. Yeah. I mean, it's so true. And so, so I don't blame the kid who gets tricked and is promised a lot of things and bribed that they're going to get an education. I've, I've heard from so many people that the stuff they learned in the military, they couldn't get a job when they got out in the field they were supposedly trained for. And then they're often told, yeah, you'll get this and this and this. And then they don't, once you sign that line, they don't have to do any of those things. They have all the power and you're their slave. And uh, another friend of mine was, they were trying to force them to reenlist when they were doing that, the, they were extending the contracts, they called it, mm. when you're just basically a slave and he refused to do it and they gave him a dishonorable discharge. He's like, well, fuck you. I, I'm not signing up for this. I, my contract is over. I want out. And, you know, I've met my end of the bargain, the devil's bargain that he struck. Um, but, you know, that people would look at him and say he's, he's a bad guy for doing that. Um, but that's what, you know, holding a principle is, is sometimes you lose, sometimes you suffer, but by God, you're going to hold your principle because it's important and it's important to do so. So I don't blame the kids who get tricked and, and the, you know, the soldier who gets tricked, but I do blame the people who see it and then are okay with it. And we're like, well, yeah. it's, that's the way of the world. This is my job. And I, I don't really, you know, I just, I just cook the food for the military. You know, you're part of the, you're part of the problem. And, um, you know, I, I, implore you to reevaluate what you're doing with your life. If you're in the military, like reevaluate that. What did you sign up for? What did you think you were doing? They tell you be all you can be. And they tell you you're going to see the world and you, yeah, you see the world, the destruction that you cause in the world. Mostly that's what you get to see. You get to see some base where we're, we're camped out, intimidating some other country or something. Um, so like, really open your eyes to what it is. Stop believing the propaganda and see that, that you're part of, you're a cog in a machine that doesn't care about 
ruining parts. Like if if it costs your life, they they're going to keep rolling. They got plenty more to line up and and plug in. And and one of the best stories that I remember from someone in uh, one of the anarchist groups I'm in was telling how he became an anarchist, and he was in um, about to get deployed to I believe it was Iraq at the time, and uh, there as drill sergeants do, they're getting them hyped up. They're doing these shooting drills and they're shooting at targets. And he's just, you know, he's involved in it. And all of a sudden he realized, you know, they're saying like, make the black, make the grass red, you know, with blood, like all this stuff. And he realized that the targets that they're shooting at are children. Those were the targets. It wasn't just bad grown men, like the bad guys, what they would call the bad guys. They were the shape of children, small children, like, and he said, that was a moment. I, I didn't know what I was, but I knew this wasn't for me. So I did everything I could to get out. Um, that's someone who, who woke up and, and realized that, hey, this isn't right when we're training to shoot children. Um, that's, that's sick. It's sick. Yeah. It's dehumanizing. You've become a tool. You have basically become an object for the state that doesn't give two shits about you and will dump you in a landfill. And, you know, I think we talk a lot about how libertarians should feel about this. And I always find it, fun, you know, this is always a really easy conversation for me now that I am a libertarian. And I can understand if you didn't, if you weren't when you joined and, you know, you are when you leave sort of thing like I am. Mm -hmm. But if, if taxation theft, it's not an option for you to join. Like that's first and foremost, you know, so yeah. if, if you're like, you see this all the time in libertarian politics because they want those turnover Republican voters is that they want, yep. oh, well, yeah, taxation theft and I support the military and I support the wall. And it's like, what? It's so obvious that you are just trying to buy people's votes over to this, this third party option. Like just be yourself, man. If you're going to do this right. political racket and everything, the least you can freaking do is be yourself. Don't support wars. M don't support the wall. Don't support any of that crap. Say taxation is theft and mean it. Don't take your paycheck, donate it or something or whatever you want to do with it. And then cool. You will be so much more palatable of a candidate to so many freaking people. It's like, right. I was talking to Patrick about this, the whole idea of the NAP compliant candidate. You know, he came to the conclusion that for the government or for the governorship of, of Texas, it is possible to run a NAP compliant candidacy. Uh, or a campaign and mm -hmm. you know i mean whether He's or not it. <laughs> yeah whether, whether or not that that's possible everywhere is up for up for debate but just the idea that that's possible shows that there are opportunities in the future pro probably not anytime soon for us to invalidate the state by utilizing the state so i don't know it's just things to think about in my opinion is that we have to stop being okay with people being so prolific inside of the, you know, cause whether we like to admit it or not, and I hate the fact that this is true because I don't like mm -hmm. the party is the fact that the party is our image. They are our marketing department and I hate right. it and it sucks, but that is what they are. They are our marketing department and they suck at it. So when someone right. has to fix it. Yeah. And, the thing about libertarianism is is that it is different. It's not a political position. It's a philosophy. Mm -hmm. And so if you understand that there's one right and that's property rights and you are your first property, you own yourself or have 
bodily autonomy, because some people don't like the term self-ownership, whatever it is, that extends from you outward. Every other right extends from that one. Um, so, or is it, is, is a, a function of that one, if, if you will. But um, that's the problem with, with the party is if you want to just get more voters, you're going to be the same kind of whore they are. Like that's, that's not what the Libertarian Party was ever intended to be. And there are a lot of people working in the Libertarian Party I know who are good people, but there are a lot of people who are what I call oorah libertarians who don't understand the anti-war stance because they don't understand libertarianism. If you don't understand that, you can't, like there needs to be, like I, I when people call me a libertarian purist, I go, thank you. Like, yes, I'm actually for the purity of libertarianism because we got enough people talking that Republican and Democrat bullshit. We got enough of those. We need people talking real anti-war sentiment, real individualism sentiment, real freedom. That's what we need. We need to educate people to that. Not not this whole state-sponsored, like, I just want a you know, slice of the pie or you know, they don't want to kick the table over. They want to be a part of the decision-making process at the table, but they don't want to end the state apparatus. I mean, I, I will say that I'm no longer a defensive voting in that, that mm -hmm. camp or the, you know, use the political process. But I, I do believe that some people can do good things through the political process, but what do you lose in return? What is all that you gave up? What did you have to compromise on? Um, and then, the legitimizing of that system. So there's there's more to think of. It's not just about, you know, voting and not voting. It's the fact that, you know, look, I if you're going to be in the, the Libertarian Party, be a Libertarian. Run as a Libertarian. Teach people. Ron Paul, like him or lump him, you cannot deny that he brought a lot of people to Libertarianism, a whole hell of a lot a of people lot. who were, would not have ever heard of it. And so... You know, I, that he didn't do that by getting up and saying, well, you know, like his son, we got to we got to intervene sometimes. He said, no, we don't need to be there. We need to mind our own business. Blowback is a thing. People are going to die because of our, our foreign interventions and what's happened. That that is exactly what's happened. So um, that's the message people really want. And that's why people loved Ron Paul's because he told them something that they didn't want to hear, but they needed to hear. He gave them their medicine. I, I wonder how, I mean, this is totally off topic, so forgive me, but I can't help but wonder how much Ron and Rand do not get along, or maybe they just put the politics aside because I cannot see Thanksgiving going over well. Yeah. They're two totally different people. One's a statist, yeah. the other is not. So, I mean... I mean, look... <laughs> Oh, I'll be Rand back Paul just is in, in the time hands for... of the he's in the hands of the Zionists like I and I'm not I don't yeah. get into all that big <clears throat> like I don't know I focus on trying to end the state anti-state stuff so I don't get into all the I'm not well informed in that area of what all the Zionists are involved in um, but I will tell you he's in bed with them <laughs> he follows right along uh, and so you know, he speak, he talks the talk really well. He's like Tulsi Gabbard, another one that I cannot stand. I can't abide oh, her. No. I am so shocked that so many people who are libertarians think what? she's great, think she's anti-war. Look, I know she got hundreds of thousands of dollars from like the defense contractors. I know that Ron's our golden boy, but what the was he thinking saying that she's the best democratic candidate because of her anti-war what what 
like, okay, that may be true. Let's just say, let's pretend that that's true. You as Ron Paul, that makes people think like, oh, Ron Paul supports Tulsi Gabbard. And I have to be like, no, 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 no. She's, <laughs> a, cra- said. She's a crazy fucking loon. Don't put right. words in Ron Paul's mouth, but he's not helping himself right. either. Like, I get it. He's an old right. man. He can do I- whatever he wants now. But right. please don't. Yeah, look. Please. <laughs> he's not a god. Yeah. You know, he's not a god. He's not infallible. And and I don't think he was making the case for her. I think he was saying he's one thing he said before is that the peace candidate always wins. They don't stay the peace candidate once they oh, get an yeah. office, once they have their office. But but, you know, when you when you look at back at through the races, you see people don't they're tired of the wars. They're tired of, you know, the harsh quotes wars because we're not actually at war with anyone. Um, we're just terrorizing the world uh, for, you know. No good reason because people want to. Um, so I, I think, you know, that he he has said this and a lot of people have heard. And look, she took down Kamala Harris like amazing. That was amazing. But that also tells you she's really good at what she does. Yeah. And her rhetoric is is anti-war, but she's not pro-peace. Don't let her fool you. I mean, I I am on the let's illuminate the world about Tulsi because so many libertarians seem to be mesmerized by her because she's pretty, you know, and, and God, whatever. But I was um, doing those live streams. Know, I could say this now, but I was doing those live streams of the debates and she wasn't in the last ones. I think her campaign's pretty much done. She's not going to get the funding. She's not going to get the support. The DNC will never her, take her. Her profile is definitely raised. She'll be back. You she's young. So? Oh yeah. She'll oh, be back absolutely. next election. Next she'll be back a hundred percent. But um, she, there were people in my, in the comments of, of my stream and like, you know, this is just internet degeneracy, but like overall, right. most of the people were pretty chill. And then the second Tulsi comes on, it's like, oh my God, Tulsi, have you seen her ass? I'm like, dude, guys, what is this? Like, we're trying to talk about these things. What do you, right. put your dick in your pants. She's Get over yeah, yourself. Exactly. She ain't Hillary. That's for sure. Yeah, I know. Right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so. That's a piece For of me, work. when it comes to foreign policy, um, Tulsi is like Donald Trump with better hair and a vagina. Like that's that's really where it comes down um, on on her because yeah, she she's a good looking woman, no doubt. She's young and and a lot of people didn't like Hillary because she's a a you know stark raving bitch. Like let's be honest, yeah. she's not the most whether even if she were saying everything right, she's not a very likable person. So um, I think I think the the war machine and the state have found this golden candidate and they're they're getting her ready like she's going to have experience by the time, you know, she's going to talk about her experience and and she's going to be better the next time. And she's very, very well spoken. So you get a pretty face, a woman that's right there. You've got a lot of people who will just vote for a woman, just like they did for Barack Obama. They're going to vote for him because he ticks a certain victim box and they feel bad about the victimization of these people. So therefore they're going to vote for him. And so, you know, I, I, I don't, um, she's a hawk. She's self-admittedly like a hawkish. And she, um, I wrote down some facts because I didn't want to forget them, but, uh, about her. So um, she's actually so much like the Trump, like Trump, that Steve Bannon interviewed her for a position in the administration. I don't know if people know that, but she she would have been working for the Trump administration had they hired her because she interviewed for them. Um, 
She is a self-avowed hawk on Islamic terrorism. Um, she used to always slam Barack Obama for not saying Islamic terrorists uh, when it, in talking about Al-Qaeda and ISIS. Um, she courts dictators like Assad, uh, who probably gassed his own people, maybe, um, supporting the Egyptian dictator Ab Abdel Fattah el-Sisi. This guy had orchestrated one of the worst mass or the worst mass killing in the modern era uh, during the Arab Spring. So this is who she she sides up to. And then also the Indian Prime Minister uh, Narendra Modi. Um, he's a Hindu nationalist, and there the attacks on the Muslim minority in the country have gone up under him. Uh, and it's not because like they're out raping and pillaging. It's because they're eating meat and they're not chanting mm. the Hindu gods. Like those are the things that they're attacking them for stuff like that. And, and not to mention that she took hundreds of thousands of dollars from Halliburton and Raytheon, etc. Like she's not who she says she is. And, and so I really, I want people to understand like, Oh, Oh, this is a good one too. She was for the safe act, which would have made the um, refugees, the Syrian and Iraqi refugees, um, that were fleeing ISIS, uh, that she wanted that extreme vetting for them, while at the same time, she wanted to make it easier for the Christians and Yazidis who were fleeing uh, ISIS victims to come here. So that tells you where the bias lies. I mean, look, I, I'm not taking a position on those things in this conversation, but what I'm saying is, is that there's clearly a bias there, and she's not anti-war, She's she's she says she says all the right thing. Her rhetoric is anti-war, but she is not a pro-peace person. Whenever, <clears throat> excuse me, she turns a, her eye at these atrocities and just acts like it doesn't happen. And so, um, it doesn't matter to her what the repercussions of these things are, what these people are doing. Like she gave that Modi, um, she gave him her a copy of her her own copy of the Bhagavad Gita because she was raised Hindu, and. Oh. Um, like, this guy's a mass murderer. And, of course, every American president is also a mass murderer, and she wants the job. So don't tell me that this woman is pro i I'm, I'm not even having it. I'm not having it at all. She's got you snowed if you think that she is anti-war. Yeah, and, and plus the fact that she wants you know, take everybody's guns and the fact that you know she's also for all this health care shit and the rest of the Democratic nonsense that they push— right. I mean, she's fucking... the perfect candidate, honestly, because the neocons are going to love her. She's a hawk like the neo Hillary Clinton was a neocon. Like, come on. Yeah. They, they're going to love her. And the, the liberal side, the progressives are going to love her because she's a woman and she she wants all the progressive socialism while also wanting the war machine to continue. She, I, in my opinion, she's like the perfect candidate. When her time comes, she'll probably be president. <laughs> Oh, that's such a scary thing to think about. She, yeah, I mean, well, so I was going to bring this up a little bit later, but I think now's a good time. I've been having some conversations with some people as of late. Like, obviously, the Boogaloo talk is through the roof because good job, Bernie Sanders. I'll say this. If your goal was to push the Overton window so far to the fucking left that we're basically in Soviet Russia <laughs> right now, you succeeded because we went from what would be considered conservative Democrats in 2016 to everybody's fucking free everything in 2020 all because of bernie sanders all because yeah. of bernie well, fucking damn it bernie i don't know i yeah i mean bernie he's problematic for sure 
He's not going to um, win, but everybody's like him no. now. He's a moderate now. But he's yeah, and and you know, I mean, even the left, what we would call the left in this country, the progressives of this country, are really kind of moderate compared to Europe or or elsewhere. Um, and Republicans, like I, I can't remember who said it, but Republicans are Democrats who do the speed limit. Like that's that's really or or progress conservatives are progressives who do the speed limit. Like that's all it. Like look look at everything that every Republican president wants. They don't want smaller government. Are you kidding me? No. They just want it. When they say smaller government, they mean in relation to what the Democrats want. But they're on the same trajectory. They are still moving the the needle towards socialism. They're both. They, the destination is the same for both of them. The authoritarianism, whether it's right or left, when it comes to your door, it doesn't matter. It's just where it does they not spend matter. It. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's about where you spend it, and so. I mean, look and and the the use of the word terrorism. Like now, they're calling. These, you know, any group and like the friggin' juggalos have been labeled like a scary gang, you know. And what have so the juggalos the, the, done to anybody? Yeah, no, they scared some white people. So, you know, some white, re- wealthy, politically elite, I guess. But, um, you know, that that definition of the word terrorism is so broad that anybody can be called a domestic terror. It's whoever they want it to be. So don't. You know, I I wouldn't be surprised if that's that's us not too far from now if things you know go the way if it doesn't um, collapse on itself, which is quite possible. Um, they can make anything and anyone a terrorist if they want to. It's they they've got open season and they've got all the court system to do it. Uh, what was it the the um they had a ninety nine point nine I think it was at least ninety nine percent uh warrant granting rate in the FISA court. So like if they want you, they've got you. Like there's there's nothing I don't even bother trying to hide too much of what I do or say anymore because if they want me, they've got me. They'll make it up as they go. We have the police force um that's you know proves every day that they will actually carry out those gun confiscation laws. I mean like don't believe that these red flag laws and things, they're drills. Even before the red flag laws, when you got pulled over on the side of the road and you say, I have a gun and you, you're, you know, legally, according to their own stupid laws, you're carrying a gun. They still treat you like you're a criminal. So I, you know, don't believe that they, I used to believe that. I used to believe that police wouldn't take our guns, but, um, you know, they prove every day that they will. They They prove every day that they will. You you have no rights as long as they exist. I, I know people hate it when I say this. Like, oh, natural rights, blah, blah, blah. If a pol- if police are in the room, they have all of the power. You have no rights. They control you. Do not allow that. <laughs> that's right. that's all and I... Most of your conservative neighbors will stand in the yard and watch them shoot you and shoot your dog and shoot your kids and go, well, you shouldn't have turned around or you should have laid on the ground and not breathed like you said, you know, or you shouldn't have had that seizure yeah. um, when you did and he wouldn't have, wouldn't have beat the crap out of you, you know, stuff like that or... Well, police are, they have a tough job. And so if they rape someone every once in a while, well, they just got to blow off some steam, Sherry. Come on. Don't be so hard. Were you there? Do you know what happened? Did you film it? Huh? And yet, you know, if it's it's Eric Garner or somebody getting murdered on the side of the street with the camera, you can see everything that happened. They go, that's not what happened. That's not really it. You know, and they mock him. It was defensive rape, Sherry. It was defensive. (laughs) Jesus. Defensive rape. Yeah. I love it. That's great. He feared for his yeah, life. It's, it's sick. Ah. It's sick. There's a lot of moving parts, and I get that. And sometimes it's overwhelming. 
because there's so many, you know, positions, so many sides to it. But this is what it comes down to is that you're not property. You're not anybody's property. The state does not own you. It doesn't have legitimate authority in, in your life because of where you were born, because of your geography. Um, so you need to start recognizing that and understanding what real freedom is. You know, radical freedom, radical personal responsibility. Speaking of sick, um, I just found out yesterday that we passed $1 trillion on the budget deficit for this year. That's $1 trillion <laughs> in one year. Yeah. And what is the, what is the debt now? It's like $27 trillion or something. It's crazy. Uh, like, Al Alan's always saying... Like it's, the number's so big, it doesn't mean anything anymore to people. Like, it doesn't mean anything. Like nobody knows what that amount of money is. Oh like, it yeah, just, I see what you're like saying. It's like this weird, like this weird abstract thing. Like how much is twenty three trillion dollars? Like I don't know. Like it, it just becomes meaningless because of its size. Um, and so that's that's part of how they keep getting away with it. Yeah, we're at twenty two and a half trillion dollars. And I usually say the number doesn't mean anything, that the Democrats are right. The number doesn't mean anything, but it will one day. And when it does yeah. mean something, it's going to mean something in a way that we have no way to deal with. And, and your children and grandchildren or their grandchildren are going to pay for it. Someone has if to pay for it eventually. Mm -hmm. oh. I, that's, that's like we've been doing really good at deferring yeah. it and keeping everybody happy. But the second... The second that doesn't work and we have to default. Right. It's gonna be Ron Paul problem. tried to tell people, look, we can we can fix this. We have to pull up, you know, tighten our belts, whatever. Eleven um, years later. Yeah, and it's it's how much more money like it wasn't it wasn't as overcomable then as it is now. It was, so it was less than like six trillion dollars back then. Yeah, and that's still a fuck ton of money, but yeah, but you know that's now doable. we're like four times that now. Right. Yeah, it's it's incredible. So, you know, um, it it's going to take a generation who's willing to stand up and say enough is enough. We can't live like this, and we're not willing to pass that on our on to our children. Um, I hope hope it, maybe it's my my gener my kids' generation. I don't know. I, I hope so because it's got to end somewhere. Um, and it, or it, you know, it's most likely it's going to collapse on itself before it becomes super uber totalitarian. But um, you know, it, it's it's hard because I can still be warm in my house and I have food on my table, and you know, my kids have a nice area to play in, and we can go down to McDonald's every once in a while and get an ice cream, and you know, I that 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 clouds the issue that you're in peril. Like, we're comfortable in this country. If the bombs were dropping on our streets, I mean, it took them bombing, like, set aside all the conspiracy about that may may or may not be true about 9-11. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that. But the, the, the line is <clears throat> that these evil people bombed the World Trade Center, <clears throat> pardon me, and for our freedoms. It had nothing to do with us blowing up their children and bombing weddings for, for years. Um, and so as long as we remain comfortable and complacent, then, you know, the American economy, the American people are a, a very prosperous people, even though we're stolen from at every turn. And um, 
We've been domesticated in order to be on the tax farm and we pay for all this stuff. And it's going to take us going, look, we're tired of this. We're not going to take it anymore. And, you know, but there's, there's no, we, the people. So, I, I mean, all you can do is, is try and get enough people to stand against something. And I, I honestly think that's why they didn't get to do Gulf of Tonkin part two last, last Feb. When was it? Just a couple months ago. A couple months ago. Yeah. yeah. I think that's why they didn't get to do it because I think enough people are like, wait a second, this doesn't make any sense. What do you like? That doesn't even make any sense that they, they had the ability or that they would do it. Um, and you know, your rhetoric has been all anti Iran. And then all of a sudden they decide to attack this giant. I mean, the U S military dwarfs every other military on the planet. I don't buy that shit for a second. Yeah. You, I think no, you have to be so in idiot to believe that iran did that i'm sorry out there i'm not I, i'm just saying like i'm not even gonna be nice about it like normally i'm like well i could see if uh, if you think oh man iran's trying to pick a fight side of like no right. shut up like you you understand yep. so little of this that you shouldn't even be allowed to speak right now <laughs> right but i i think it was that that sentiment of like the american you know public going wait a second there were enough people to question it openly because that that's what i thought like oh here we go but then i saw like people in the washington post you know or the new york times and whatever going wait a second they weren't buying the party line and as we know i mean they need the media to to feed the masses and um i don't know how that didn't happen but it didn't and so and, and you know maybe it's a lot to do with independent media with people uh you know, speaking out, like having well-informed enough and having a big enough audience now to where they can make a difference and, well, and get people. But I, I think that's why, I think that's why they didn't do it then was because they needed a better, better ploy. Um, and it looks like maybe this is the ploy that is going to work. I don't know, but they're going to get the war they want. Like it's poor John Bolden, you know, or Bolton, he's gone he, now though. Yeah. Not John Bolden. I'm thinking, calling him Michael Bolton's name. <laughs> John Bolden. He, um, he didn't get the war he wanted, you know, so maybe it's his partying, his consolation prizes. There actually will be a war with Iran. Mm -hmm. um, and I can't wait till that man is Dead. no longer able to spew his disgusting, hateful, disgust. I'll just use the D word. Rhetoric. I just want him gone. I just want him unalived, please. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's on the top of the list of people that I would not be sad to see go. No, wouldn't shed a tear. So, I mean, I won't kill him, but I'm just saying, if he disappeared tomorrow, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't cry. Right? Yeah. I mean, I'll make another episode about we'll give him the respect he deserves when he dies, It'll like we did for Huge Waste Bush and McCain the Maverick. Um, so it'll be a ten-hour laugh track on loop. That'll be it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, so many libertarians, so many party libertarians got, you know, get mad when you talk about these people for who they were, when you call them the fucking warmongering mass murderers that they were. Um, I mean, John McCain, who, you know, war hero, uh, who got, you know, preferable treatment by selling out his, his uh, fellows, um, came back to this country as a person who had been tortured, who, who was all about that torture, you know, all about that waterboarding, which is a terrible, terrible thing. And it's not reliable. Like they just, they do this shit because it, it's a flex, you know, it's, it's scary. Like, look, you either get on board and play ball or we will just make your life so miserable 
you'll be locked in Guantanamo with no trial and no right to one, clearly, because, you know, the rule of law that they love so much doesn't exist for the people that they really don't want to try. So, you um, know, they brought up in the chat, it's weird how much the Dems love McCain when he died. I mean, it's like like Bush Jr. now. Bush yeah. Jr., remember, he Not used weird. to get called he used to get called a Nazi. He was like Satan conjured to this earth and like i completely agree that the guy is a terrible human being but also i blame dick cheney more but um i i will say that like now the fact that everybody's like oh look it's cute george bush with his parka in the rain you know i'm like guys this is the patriot dude this yeah. is the one who sent us into iraq for no reason this is the mm -hmm. one who was in bed with the oil companies this is the yeah. guy who expanded the nsa do not Look at this guy at anything less than the highest perpetrator of statist evil. What are you yeah. doing? So yeah, I know. I, I To me, it doesn't surprise me that they love John McCain. They always love John McCain. John McCain courted them. Like, he was kissing their ass all the time because, you know, he was a maverick. When he just went along with every bad idea there was, he was just a hawk. He was a piece of shit warmonger. That's what he did. He, he got paid. He His family was, you know, his cunty daughter Megan McCain who who can't say three sentences without worshiping her father or her family um, or herself is is I mean she she passes for a conservative that woman's not a conservative what are you kidding me I'm more conservative than every damn conservative in this town just about because there's very few real conservatives you've got uh, Pat I can't think of his name right now he was a former senator or whatever he's he's anti-interventionism mm -hmm. um somebody in the chat probably knows but you know that very few very few conservatives most people think republican equals conservative and no. it does not and there are just so few the neocons have totally invaded the party and the neocons were styled the democrat strategy um so you know come on it's, it's just they're all the same people. Look, when it comes to the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether they want a welfare state for the poor or the welfare state for the military industrial complex. When it comes down to it, they're about force. That's what they're about. They're about forcing you to go along with their good ideas that make them fat and happy. So um, that's all you really need to know. Like It doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to see that something's wrong and that there's a like George Carlin said it's a club and you ain't in it like we're not in it and we never will be there's no there's no way for us to enter into that unless you get a lot of money um, and you want to play ball you have to compromise yourself and compromise your rights and compromise the rights of others so um, yeah I I don't think there's an excuse. Like, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to be the most well-informed person on the planet. Um, you know, you don't have to be Scott Horton and know every single thing there is to know about <laughs> foreign policy in the Middle East. Like, that guy is an amazing wealth of knowledge there. But listen, like, I think it was Maya Angelou, maybe, who said, um, when people tell you who they are, listen. Like, People tell us who they are all the time. They tell us who they are. Uh, when you have a president who says, don't worry about due process, take the guns, fucking believe him. Yeah. Stop with the excuses. If, if that was, if he had a little D by his name, People if he was President Obama out. and not President Republican Donald Trump, 
they the Republican. You couldn't buy ammunition right now. You couldn't buy it when he was elected. I guarantee you wouldn't be able to buy it if he'd said something like that. Like that, they would lose their friggin' minds. But what do they do? Because he's got the little R by his name. Well, that's not what he meant. You know, they just dismiss it out of hand. And look, every every time you give a politician power, you give more power to that state that will just rape you and and rape your children and all of all the prosperity that they could have. Um, so I'm convinced that's how we're going to get the boogaloo. I'm convinced they're one of if these happens, years. That probably will be it, because that's the one issue that I think enough people are. Enough armed people. <laughs> yeah, enough armed people are. And, and like, I, look, I'm not for a violent revolution. We, I've done a show on it where I think it would be incredibly a bad idea because, look, a lot of libertarians tend to believe that Republicans are, can be their allies. Look, you're the first people they will shoot in the fucking face when they get in power because you question authority, right? And they're authoritarians as much as anybody else. Don't for yep. one second believe that you're not going to be able, have to say their little pledge and sign their little oaths and and whatever. So you got to draw lines yeah. real quick in something like that. Like, okay, right. you guys go over there. We're over here. Right. So we can but, defend ourselves from you as well as them. <laughs> right. It's and it's they're not your allies. And we're look, we're so marginalized, y'all. Even if you concluded everybody that's involved in the Libertarian Party, which ain't a whole lot of people. Um, like, or every person who would call themselves a libertarian in the country. It's like 15%. you're still looking at a very small. I don't know. I but like and you're talking to anarchists. You're talking oh God, less like than one, one. I'm sure. One percent. Yeah, that's so a very don't, naughty. Don't word. believe that they're your allies. And um, you know, I'm I'm not for violence. But I've heard people say well, violence is never the answer. Well, fuck no. Sometimes it is the answer. Sometimes violence is the answer. Well, yeah, Look, the nap is pretty clear. Right. But there's an, the ethical use of violence is is always in defense. It's always defensive. So there, when people talk about it, I'm you know especially a lot of young men, and I know they're frustrated. They'll say, "Well, they've aggressed against us already." You know, like let's let's do this. But the thing is, is that that kind of of war, that kind of fighting, is nobody wins. Yeah, nobody wins. We'll all end up, we'll probably end up, nature abhors a vacuum. You leave a power vacuum the size of the United States government, you're talking. <laughs> That's you assuming you win, works. which is a big if, Exactly, it's the assumption you know. that you win. I mean, but if it's left up to Antifa with all those videos of them shooting, we'll probably be all right. But, oh, um, Lord. You know, we're we're not a majority in this country. And people who actually love freedom and, and want real freedom not you're free to obey but the kind of freedom where you can say no because that's where freedom lies freedom doesn't lie in the ability to say yes i can say yes to anything freedom lies when i say no when i can dissent from the majority um so and you don't have that in a lot of, of ways i can't not pay my taxes and not have a gun shoved in my face and be put in a rape cage like that's that's not going to happen in this country um there's a lot of things that you don't get to say no to. And so you don't have the freedom. Um, and so just, just don't let them fool you into believing that they actually are for that. Cause they're not They're for their brand of what makes them comfortable, their brand of authoritarianism. Um, but they're not, they're not going to look at you and go, Oh, you little libertarian and pat you on the head. Thanks a lot for helping. You know, now your work will set you free. Like <laughs> 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 go get the box cars. So, yeah, they're you, not our allies. 
Guys, they're just not. They're still about force. They're about forcing you to do what they want. Junior asks, could a loss be a win? And I don't see any scenario where a, a group of civilians tries an armed revolution and then the entire populace, whether they participated or not, isn't disarmed. Um, this isn't, this isn't, you know, the 1800s. This isn't amicable, like, let's bring them back in like brothers, you know, like the Civil War was. That was a extremely, like, no one expected that to happen, first off. Everybody right. expected the the South to be punished when they returned, right? But the whole, and they were. Oh, the construction was terrible. It was terrible, but it could have been much worse. Let's be honest here. It could have been worse. I don't worse. know. They sowed salt in the fucking ground. Yeah. <laughs> like, people were starving. But like, that, was, that was during the war, though. That was during the war. That wasn't a part of Reconstruction, though. Okay, but it, it was terrible. There wasn't a lot of uh, love shown let's just say that it was a very awful time and i think i think the south often suffers from you know massive uh, stockholm syndrome because of it i think i think it would be significantly worse than even that in the modern times like that's how you get the the ultimate police state you know like we say we're in a police state now that's how you get the the big brother police state that's how you get the completely disarmed society that's how you get the you know, throwing the Constitution out the window, you have no rights. First Amendment well, allowed you to assemble like this, so we need to get rid of it. You know, right? That was a that was a bad thing. Like you, you know, they people have become so violent. Uh, look, their government has taught them well. Um, and look at look at the three percenters. Look at the people like that who who. What do they do? They fly the American flag like it's you know, it's something sacred and they, they hold on to those things. They're the same people who get like my friend got almost assaulted at a baseball game here in Tennessee and that smoky stadium here um, because he didn't. Yeah. He didn't say these people were yelling at him and trying to fight him in the, the ba baseball game <clears throat> because he didn't stand for the national anthem. So, so stupid. these are the people that like, that's the most common, like, Republican that you're going to find that's your average Joe who got wants to take back America to what like take it back to the Constitution they didn't they don't love the Constitution right now they even talk about common sense gun laws are you freaking kidding me they don't love the Constitution I mean I don't either but yeah I mean they, do, and they talk like they do um and they don't so, even know why it's okay like let's use that word i'm not gonna say it's good but it's it's better than what we have now they don't even understand why that is the, the i don't know i the constitution was the uh oh, counter-revolution to the revolution so. it's bunk don't get me wrong it like, was centralizing power which it, gave I'm us everything we've got anti-federalists all the way trust me okay you know mm -hmm. i've read the federalists and the anti-federalist papers it's pretty fucking clear which one of them is yeah. like crazy everything status everything the anti-federalist said came to pass yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they were they were very very open about this idea that like look if you centralize this authority it's going to become a tyrannical government it may not be today or tomorrow but it's going to happen. Right. Uh, and even Madison, who was not an anti-federalist, who was a federalist, warned about a standing army. And not only we do have one internationally, we have one domestically. It's called the police. Like yeah. that's that's the standing army that will come and. And do the bidding of the state. I mean, they they rob you on the side of the fucking road and think it's okay. You, your neighbor, who might be a cop, who thinks civil asset forfeiture is just a okay because the law says I can do it. That's that's what you're dealing with.
Yeah, that's garbage too. Civil <laughs> asset forfeiture. Don't even get me started. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> that's... I just spoke at the Campaign for Liberty a couple months ago about civil asset forfeiture. And how Donald Trump's like in bed with the whole cop establishment. Oh, yeah. man. He was like, civil asset forfeiture? That seems pretty great. We should make it to where you can take a million dollars and their there car. Was, right, no kidding. <laughs> there was one um, one county here in Tennessee. Tennessee has a really poor rating with the Institutes of Justice um, who did a great report on civil asset forfeiture you can find online. One county in Tennessee, you know, because civil asset forfeiture was uh, their intended. What they said was the intent was to take down the drug dealers, you know, these kingpins mm-hmm. who are making lots of money. $45 was the average that they took from people this is mine now (laughs) i will take that thank you yeah i mean it's just it's incredible 45 dollars. that's not a drug kingpin uh and and you know often they don't even have to they don't have to find drugs they don't have to find paraphernalia i'll just say i think you use this for drugs um tennessee they spent the cops spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on catering for parties that they took from civil asset forfeiture. And that, and that happened in like 1984 because before that, police departments didn't directly benefit from the money that they stole. Um, it sort of went out into the ether and it was went to committees that would then dole it out to wherever. But then when they started benefiting directly, you just see it rise and rise and rise. And it's incredible. Junior asks, what if tyranny is a free society matured? And that doesn't, makes sense um a free society a free society matured is is anarchism or is at least if if you don't want to use that term is voluntarism Mm -hmm. entirely um yeah i mean i was talking again not to invoke the spirit of but patrick the other day we were talking about this and i was kind of the pessimist in the conversation but he made a good point is that if you look at human history the trend line is towards freedom, right? Whether it's a lot closer than we were, you know, I mean, I think we're better off than we were during feudalism, but instead of being in feudalism or instead of being, you know, a part of this, like this war tribe or something like that, like we used to be, we have our own tyranny and it's democracy, but the trend is towards individualized freedom. And there've been dips and ups and downs and, and boops and bops. And I think he right. makes a good point and that I am, I have faith whether I will ever see it, whether it's 3,000 years from now or not, that one day mm-hmm. humanity, civilized societies trends towards the individual. I've always said that. That's been my big thing. There is no such thing as a society which is more civilized, more, you know, uh, more free, more anything that is less focused on the individual. It's not how, it's not how it works. So if, if, if that kind of answers what every philosophy is cute in its infancy... <laughs> okay it's okay junior because like, <laughs> i'm drunk what? <laughs> i've been there before yeah you know i mean and it's easy to get pessimistic look i, I think yeah. about from my religious days uh there's a verse in the bible that uh, says with knowledge comes sorrow and so honestly just anecdotally knowing a lot of libertarians i know a lot of depressed people <laughs> and it's easy when you look at what is and not what could be. And sometimes, you know, not the, the like you said, the trend, like it's sometimes those things are hard to see, um, especially when you see, you know, people murdering a man on the street on a video and then the pol- those very police going and mocking him at his, his memorial service saying, I, I can breathe. Um, 
you see that real evil cruelty, you know, that cruel inhumanity. Um, and it, it can make you really cynical and look, I, I have my moments too, but, uh, we've got to learn to spot the trends and we've got to learn to, um, that if, if, if our minds were changed, look, other people's minds can be changed. Other people are ready to hear this. Other people are out there waiting to hear what you've got to tell them. Um, they're seeing that there's, there are problems and, you know, it, we're, it's a cultural shift. We have to have a cultural shift. And that's why we need really principled libertarians out there speaking really principled libertarianism and not the watered down bullshit that people want because they want you to say because they want votes. Not all that shit. What we've got to change is people's really change their hearts and minds. Like, I know that's a phrase, but it's true. They really have to have a heart change. Um into, you know, that maybe sometimes I don't always win. Like that's, being an anarchist is not an easy thing to be in a lot of situations. Um, but I may not always win, but I know what my principles are. And I know that I'm going to stand on the side of freedom regardless of if that costs me something. Because it's worth the cost, you know. Like I think uh, Junior mentioned the other a little while ago about the tree of you know, liberty, that mm -hmm. quote, the tree of liberty needs watering with blood sometimes. And it's sort of the same thing. Like it might not necessarily be literal blood, but the sacrifice can come with you just making a stand. Like I'm just not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. Um, I'm going to practice as much agorism as I possibly can, you know, just do stuff like that. Uh, I think that's where it comes down to is that we have to be principled regardless of what we might lose. Um, because do I think that an anarchist society, if it were to happen tomorrow in my town, uh, would be easier? No, I don't think it would be. No, um, wouldn't. you're more, you've got to be more personally responsible to live that way too. So, uh, it's not a utopia. It's just right. right. Exactly. <laughs> and so, um, but it's, but it offers the most, um, possibility for the most people. It's never going to save the world. There's nothing that can make every wrong right in the world, but it's certainly not going to come about by state force um, of people that builds resentments and that destroys people's lives. I mean, it, it just, it does. Um, I, I did, I could have done, I was on the radio for seven months, five days a week, and I could have done cop stories the whole time. Stories about not just not just cops, like in that sense, but like courts taking away uh, mom's kids and not telling her why. And she'd never had a problem. And, you know, like just out of the blue, uh, there there being an issue and, and all of a sudden, you know, your kids are gone and um, things like that. Because every when you walk into a court, everyone's a cop. They all work for the state, even the public defender, even your lawyer, because they have to answer to the bar. And if the bar, if you do something they don't like, they think is unethical. Um, like defending someone for treason, I guess, or whatever, uh, then that you can lose your, your ability to make a living. So don't ever think that there's a justice system in this country right now. It's all conflict of interest. I mean, there are justice systems. There's private ones and like mediation and things like that, other, other courts. But uh, people get so locked in that they can't see that it can work in a different way. Like what we have, they'll say, well, it might not be the best, but it's working. Well, is it really working that is well it? though? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know, we have to question how much better could it be? 
and um, uh, you know, it's scary. Change is scary for people, and then often they don't want to risk, you know. But but you have to you have to have ri- you have to take a risk if you want freedom. Freedom isn't safe. Freedom and safety are not equals like that. Nobody who wants freedom, like real freedom, can say that they're going to be completely one hundred percent safe. And if you want 100% safety, well, then, of course, you don't really want that much freedom. <laughs> so um, nobody's nobody's promised that. It's true. I think, uh, yeah, I think you make a lot of a lot of good points into that respect. And I also think that um, this is probably a good place. You know, we've kind of come full circle to back where we started. And I think this is a good place to kind of wrap up the, the conversation. But as usual absolutely excellent having you on sherry very glad um, <laughs> thanks I, mean, I enjoyed myself thank oh, you oh yeah it's always good it's always good and uh, thank you for those of you in the chat who've been here the whole time um yeah. sherry do you have okay. anything you want to plug or sorry anything any last words? Yeah, no, I, yeah <laughs> i just wanted to say uh, junior said how is the the free profitable people not going to be corralled and herded in the future that's up to every, every individual person. to be armed and protect their own liberty you know mm-hmm. it's um that's that's supposed to be the point is that I'm I don't need police. I'm supposed to police myself. I'm supposed to protect myself. Um, not that the police are supposed to protect you, but it's 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 up to every person to defend their own rights. If and you don't amicable have, relationships between others as well. So yes, that built is also community. True. Yeah. Those kinds of things. So um that's all I want to say. And and as far as plugging things, I mean, I'll probably have a show eventually. <laughs> <laughs> No rush. Um, yeah, I mean, hopefully sooner than later. Uh, I would suggest if you're in the Texas area or can be that you definitely check out doing uh, Candles in the Dark. I think it's going to be a, a great time and um, going to learn a lot. And, you know, I do postcards from Somalia, uh, part of Little Ill Productions, uh, which is a Sherry Voluntary show, Postcards from Somalia. Uh, the Gold Standard with Alan Mosley and God Archie with Mike Meharry and uh, and Sports Ball also our sports oh, show. Sports Ball. So yeah. um, yeah, uh, and Mike Meharry does a fantastic job with God Archie. Jeez, I mean, like eighty five percent of the people in this country identify as Christians. So even if you're not one, you should understand Christianity because that's going to be a big uh, a big help in in talking to people. And I always I love that I have that background because I can you know, bring people back to their own, what they say is their morality and that they don't believe the Christo statists, uh, they get smacked around a lot with the Bible by me. So <laughs> I like that. Cause you know, I, um, I think if you say that, you know, you love Jesus, you should listen to what he said. <laughs> so, hey, that's anyways. fair enough. <laughs> that's no. it. Find us on Facebook and, and elsewhere. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. I mean, uh, that's great stuff, Sherry. Um, like I said, it was great having you on. Um, podcast should be out a couple days. I'm finishing up editing my last one. It was a little bit longer, so it's taken me a bit. But um, awesome. Thank you. You know, yeah. I have to say, I love what you're doing too, Christian. I, I, it takes a lot of balls to be serving in the military and an active, out, open anarchist I wasn't um, doing going a podcast. To... At first, I was going to like not stream out to the public or YouTube or anything, but I think I'm glad that I did. I mean, I've kind of just accepted the fact that, like, what are you going to do, fire me? I haven't done anything illegal, so you either don't like it and you fire me, or and then I get what I want, or I stay in right, and I get to way. bitch about you. 
which I don't really want, but at least I can bitch about Hughes so I can get get what I want. So Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, oh, there's a great speech to Larkin Rose. This is what made me an out and proud anarchist was um you're not the boss of me. Go check it out on YouTube. Mm. It's a speech he did a I don't know what one. year exactly. Oh my gosh, that was the day I was like Fuck yeah, I'm not hiding anymore who I am. <laughs> I mean, I don't wear that I'm an anarchist on my sleeve, but when people ask me my opinion, I give them a damn opinion. You know, I, I like Yeah. You can finesse it, but come on, let's let's start showing people that uh, we anarchists are not crazy Molotov cocktail throwing want to hurt everybody people. Like there's there's um propaganda that that's been you know sold to people about anarchism and so the first time uh, you do it is the hardest i will say that the first time you do it is the hardest and then after that <laughs> every time is so much easier because you will you'll you'll know what to expect and you may yeah. it'll be different i mean from what i found whenever i tell somebody like they're like oh are you a democrat or republic oh actually i'm an anarchist and then they go what what what, what? <laughs> it makes people ask a lot of questions it's also yeah, i found voluntarist you can use that Whatever. Libertarian equals anarchist, but most people don't know that. Yeah, I, I don't. A use, bunch of people in the party would tell you different. I don't use the L word. I like my favorite thing is is that if you want to try to sell yourself and not have someone label you, is use whatever is going to make them ask you a question. If you mm -hmm. say libertarian and they think they know what that means, and they're like, "Oh, okay, you're done, game over." They've already got you labeled, boxed in. That's so, where voluntarist is really helpful because most people have never heard that word. Yeah. And if you say, well, oh, well, I'm against the course of force of violence in order for people to propagate their views onto others, everybody fucking agrees with that. Right. And then, then you start branching out and you're like, yeah, like the U.S. government and the police and, you know, the status quo. And, you know, then, then, then you start to lose people. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. But at least you can bring them back to the thing. That, like, well, I thought you were for yeah. individual freedom. Exactly. Know. Right. I thought we were against this course of violence. So yeah. Yeah. hold them to their own morality. That usually works pretty well. <laughs> it's good stuff. It's good stuff. We'll have to have a show about that one day. Somebody, yeah, if that's a good idea. I need to add that to the list. How to yeah. talk to normies. I think oh, that'd be one. great. I, I'd love to do one like that. And, you know, pissing people off and shaming people. Like, <laughs> I don't believe in shaming people for every little thing, but when you hold there two a more mongering yeah. idea, you deserve to be shamed when you hold that shameful opinion. Yeah. You know, there are some things you deserve to be shamed for because it's shameful. To say it doesn't matter, kill them all, make it glass. You know, make the whole Middle East oh, glass. God, that's, I, that's shameful. That's bad. Yeah. You deserve to be shamed. So, I will. Stop being <laughs> so good at saying good night. All right, that's fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. All right, we're gonna get out of here. Uh, Cherry, thanks again for coming. Appreciate everybody in the chat. Y'all have a an awesome, awesome rest of your day. <laughs>